0: Hey guys, welcome to the Cool Christian Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Centeno. On this podcast is where I get to ask questions like the nerd that I can be, looking to learn from the cool Christian nerds I know around me that have something to teach. Now let's dig in. We're going to explore today a little bit about what it looks like for succession. Um, These are one of these hot topics that a lot of... uh, leaders are finding themselves discussing due to the season they are in their lives. And so Bishop Grandin has been through this, and we're going to hear a little bit more about his story. Great to have you, Bishop.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Yes, and and just tell us the the church that you have been, you're pastoring for how many years now?
1: 35 years. I've I've been pastoring for 56 years.
0: 56 years.
1: 56 years of pastoring.
0: Was this the only church or no, with no, other I churches?
1: I pastored in Trinidad. I pastored in Ghana in South America. This is my second church in Philadelphia.
0: Well, yeah. this is great. We're going to get more into that story. Okay. But I just want to mention this. I believe when the story is written uh, about Philadelphia in, in the era that we're in, that yours, your story is going to be included in that. You are a patriarch of the faith in the city. Uh, I see you as a leader who's well respected by other leaders here and throughout, but you've just recently had a service where you passed on the baton of the ministry to a successor. First of all, what was that day like?
1: The day was powerful. The second Sunday of June of last year, Mm -hmm. and um, it was a very significant day, but it came after a number of years of prayer and searching and looking and trying to sense what God was saying in terms of transition. Right. We knew we had at some point to do a transition. Um, My wife and I are the founders of the ministry, but we're getting older now. Mm -hmm. And um, trying to find the right person, we, we were in touch with a number of persons who brought tremendous possibilities. But we felt what we needed was a person who is not just a good preacher, you can be a good preacher, fantastic preacher, a fantastic leader, and a poor manager. Right. And because this is not simply a church at the corner somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, this is a church that has a campus, the campus has buildings, the buildings have tenants, and there's all this interaction that has to take place. My son is um, in charge of operations and uh, he interacts with the tenants and what have you. It, the leadership would have to be someone who is strong in the word, has a definite sense of call, but also has some business savvy. Savvy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's, that's what, that narrowed the scope of our search. Who can come in here and not just be a good pastor but who can bring the business background to work with the other staff persons um, to, to maintain what is there to interact with tenants we have a um, apartment complex of senior citizens has 56 apartments of senior citizens um, who, uh, who, who, who can do that who can who can do that right and so we came up with this one person um, Minister Bob Oliver was a business person and who also had a sense of call for ministry and we felt if we could work along with him um, he might be the right person you know for it
0: was that the case that was the
1: case Mm. that was the case and so he he's the person the second of June of last year he was um, um, we transitioned um, with him being the leader now we still have some other things that we have to work on in terms of the board Because we wanted to see how it would how it would work, Mm -hmm. and so the next step is for the board to work on a document, an actual legal document, in terms of what is the role of the founders. You know, um, what is the role of the founders within the ministry? That Mm -hmm. that is still a piece we have to put in place, Mm -hmm. so that everyone is very clear um, that we have a continuing role as founders with appearance. Right. Uh, and that has to be not just something that is, is said, but something that is documented. Gotcha. So that it's clear, regardless of who the future pastors are, as long as we are around, mm-hmm. that we are clear of our role, and the pastors are clear, is clear of our role. So that's the other piece, of, the second piece of the, of the succession that we still have to put in place. But we wanted to see how this, this works out, and it's now in June of this year. Um, it's gonna
0: be a year. Wow! And from the time, how, how long ago was that when you started um, considering and looking into about, this?
1: About, um, I would say. Probably. Probably. Mm, mm. It might have been like 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 a, a five year.
0: Five years ago. Yeah. And then from that point, you started thinking about it. When did you actually start to? Narrow down and identify I somebody
1: say, I would say probably maybe maybe two and a half years
0: two and a half years into that process yes. then it was yes. you, you you found somebody See, be, wow.
1: because what had happened the, the thing that thrust us into seriously thinking of succession is that we had a service a series of services with with a, a, a person who was um, a prophet mm-hmm. you know, Vietnam was a prophet and um, he anointed one of our sons and another one of our young people, well, two other young people, and indicated to the congregation that um, that particular son would succeed us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, had, we had some difficulty seeing it then because we didn't think he was ready. Mm-hmm. And to, to have made a public announcement and a public um, anointing was not wise. Mm. Yeah.
0: So he was kind of ordaining somebody outside might, of your council, or, or
1: never, like, never spoke to us, right? Never spoke to us. Never, never spoke to us, and it was. Um, it has created some conflict. It, it definitely has created some conflict because when you are um, commissioned publicly and anointed for a position, and that that position doesn't come to you, and that creates a challenge. Yeah, you know. And I think my son has been dealing with that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and now to find that, okay, now finally somebody else has that, but but the qualifications are still the same: that you have to have ministry experience and management experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we we made the right decision, but we were put in the kind of a box, yeah, um, which which we still still working at this point yeah
0: yeah when should pastors or leaders start to think about succession I think they have to
1: start very very early very mm -hmm. very early we have in our church right now um, if you come to our church on a Sunday morning you'll see the number of children who are serving as ushers Mm -hmm. children we've always focused on bringing children into a sense of ministry mission very, very early, very early. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last Sunday, I went into the building, and there's this little girl. She cannot express herself very well. Mm -hmm. But she was at the door as an usher, all dressed up as an usher with her badge. And as I walked in, she said, you're an excellent pastor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, now imagine a little girl, maybe 10 years old or less, having that perception of her pastor and seeing herself, a person who's ostracized because of her physical condition, Mm -hmm. see herself all dressed up with her badge, I'm an usher, Mm -hmm. and she's at the door greeting people. Mm. It it is that type of the lifting up of children because they they will succeed you in a number of ways, a number of ways, they'll be the leaders. But um, you always have to keep thinking who will be the lead pastor? Mm-hmm. Who will be the lead pastor? And what does the lead pastor bring to the table? And not and, and not only what the lead pastor brings to the table, but what does the table require? Right. I think a lot of people don't figure out what the, what the table itself requires.
0: That would probably take, um, considering maybe even size and the dynamics of the ministry, the transition time should probably take a little longer right. than maybe something that is, doesn't have too many complicated nuances to the ministry. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, it, it, would, it would take time. But we also had a number of, of perspective and good leaders from which we could have chosen if it was just a, a church building. We had some great speakers, some great leaders right. that we developed. But when it came to pastoring New Covenant, we needed more than just great preachers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. We needed someone who had some business experience mm-hmm. to deal with the business aspect of the ministry. Mm-hmm. No. Someone accused me last week of, of um, running a business. <laughs> running a business. But you know, the per- and the person's a pastor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: but I, I didn't get back to him I didn't, I didn't try to correct him because it was Jesus who first said that it was a business
0: hmm. his father's business and he was 12 years
1: old <laughs> 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 yep, yep. he was 12 years old mm-hmm. Said so I must be about my father's business so if, if, you, if you don't have a business concept of ministry then you just have a regular ordinary twitching point yeah but if you understand that this is indeed the father's business on earth right with an agenda then it makes a lot of difference in terms of how you understand ministry yeah how you organize ministry
0: it's yeah an organization that needs to be order and organization and flow for the sake of serving
1: people well exactly and yeah. serving people well and empowering those individuals mm-hmm. to serve other people well yep. so that the, the the ministry grows, the influence of the ministry grows um, the, 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 the people's perception of the ministry is positive. It yeah. all depends on how you manage it, not just how well you can preach
0: so do you, do you think is was would there be like a an age range that pastors should definitely be thinking? You know around this time if I haven't been thinking about this before or is that maybe more subjective to who those people are
1: well, but probably but in my case I I am um, I was thinking more about who are the leaders we can develop mm-hmm. because it was not just who would succeed me but who are the persons who can be so developed in ministry that new ministries can begin mm-hmm. we have persons now with whom we have worked who are now serving in Kenya and
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in different 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 countries, you know, who could very well have have been had the, the goodwill of the people. Any of many any of them could have been pastors of New Covenant, yeah, because of their ability and what have you. But they did not bring the type of business aspect that we felt was needed. Mm-hmm. And, and my son right now who is. Um, Campus development officer mm-hmm. um, understands the dynamics of working with the campus, working with the tenants, working with um, contractors. Um, things that the past himself doesn't have to do, mm-hmm. because when you have all these buildings and you have all these challenges, and you have all these tenants. Whether the tenant is a resident or a tenant is an organization, a tenant is a school. As we've had schools there, um, somebody with with business sense, um, has to be able to interact with those people. So it
0: sounds like, up. yeah, building leaders all around you continually. And fro- so and you see and when you're emerges. in that time of succession, yeah, see, you who, see emerges who emerges see from that to say they can, not everybody is doing well, but there'll be exactly. maybe specific things that exactly. this individual is doing that can really bring it be- all together, and keep everybody going needs. up.
1: Yeah. Because that's what the table needs. The table needs this type of individual.
0: So, there are many people that aren't thinking succession um, that are out there, uh, and because of that, and they should be thinking about succession. First off, can you speak to why you believe they aren't thinking about it when they should be?
1: Because it's not the norm. It's not the norm. The average pastor um, does not have to think of, of succession because of the fact that he's not in a position to determine succession. Hmm. The average pastor who's called by the church you know, stays as long as he's comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. If he's not comfortable, he leaves. Or the ch- if the committee or the board is not comfortable, they make him leave. Hmm. So that there is not really, in the average church, a, a thought about my determining who will succeed me.
0: Oh, so there's the organization and the system itself—they
1: yeah, exactly it um, they don't need itself. to think about that. It okay. lend itself to that. But when you're the founder, you have to—you have to do that.
0: Yeah, this is—that's a little bit more intimate. That's like your baby. It is. It's not like I—I I just kind of like I'm fulfilling this position. This is my baby, yeah. and I want to make sure.
1: But I would say ninety percent of the pastors are founders. They are called, um, and then the time comes they leave, regardless of the circumstances that causes them to leave. But when you're the founder, you have to think in terms of, okay, this is your baby. You know. it's, like, it's like your child. It's, I'm, I have five children. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in who they will marry, the type right. of person they will marry. Mm-hmm. I, I need to feel a sense of approval on who they will marry. Mm-hmm. But I'm still their parents. Mm-hmm. And I will always be their parents. Mm-hmm. And whoever they marry has to accept us my wife and me, as the parent of their spouse. Right. <laughs> yep. The same is true as a founder of a church. you you gone through the pastors, you the founder. And you build those relationships with individuals. The Bible says, do not remove the ancient landmarks. Mm-hmm. The ancient landmarks have a, a purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to keep boundaries. Yep. <laughs> to give We're direction. Mm-hmm. And if you disregard the ancient landmarks, you can get into trouble. If, if, you, if you curse the bridge you cross over, then the time may come when you want to cross back and you can't. Hmm. So it's important for, for a person who succeeds a founder to understand the dynamics of that succession. Hmm. Because you will always have to be interacting with the founder because the founders are the founders.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting that many of them will not think that way because they basically don't have to. Exactly. There's other people that will take care of that process right. uh, unless you're a founder. So what words of encouragement could you give people um, to consider uh, not just fulfilling a position, but passing on a legacy, a legacy. Um, through succession?
1: Yeah. Um, and it, it does not necessarily have to be, I hear the question. Mm -hmm. but it does not necessarily have to be through succession, because Mm -hmm. the legacy is not necessarily limited to succession. But every past needs to be legacy conscious, Mm -hmm. because you will not be here indefinitely. And you can't wait until you're almost dying to try to figure out what you're leaving behind. (laughs) So your decisions on a daily basis must be legacy conscious, the way you conduct yourself, the sense of integrity with which you serve, all those are legacy connected because that's what folks will remember. You know? um, so the, the, the question of legacy is, is something that must always be in your mind. I'm a, I'm a model to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm modeling the kingdom. And therefore my decisions are critical because they will, they will live after me.
0: That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: They will live after me. It, it, they become a, they become a part of my. Et- I don't want to use the word eternal because eternal means it, it's. They they become a part of my ongoing testimony,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that this is what people remember about you. Your sense of fairness, your sense of integrity, your sense of your capacity for truth, so that when you open your mouth, they can believe that what you're saying is going to be true, or is true. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things are connected to legacy you know you can have you can have a leader but when the history is written uh, and people see that you know we, we just have on, on CNN for the last several Sundays the story of Tricky Dick okay have you, have you ever seen any of those mm-hmm. not, you don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. um, the story of, of, Dick, of Nixon yeah, yeah. okay uh, and so much is coming out now that people never knew but that's part of his legacy mm. you know um crookedness is part of his legacy they, um, and so a pastor any leader any leader needs to be conscious of how are you walking circumspectly doesn't mean you don't have failures but when you do have failures face them mm-hmm. admit them mm. admit them that's, that's, the, that's the most critical thing admit them um, how am I walking circumspectly how am I walking in, in integrity how am I a representative of truth? So when I tell somebody something, they can take it from me as the truth.
0: Mm.
1: And don't have to wonder, I want if he's lying this time or not. <laughs> yeah. All those are legacy connected. And all of those influence the type of success you have. There you go. Because you're setting a pattern. Right. For your successor. Mm. Okay. And don't think that your successor is not going to dig up your past. Mm because he wants to know what am I succeeding you know what's, what's the history here and if he sees a shady type of history he will feel comfortable repeating it
0: wow yeah. and probably even push the boundaries even push more. the boundary
1: even more wow even more so every day every day a founder and a pastor and a leader has to be thinking um, how am I spending this particular day how am I addressing these issues today what will they say about me 10, 15,
0: 20 years from now. Yeah, I like that. It's, and the successor can get maybe a little intimidated by filling shoes, but they have to think about it as more of uh, the path that has yes. been left for them than the shoes that the, they're filling. That's
1: right. The opportunities. You yeah. You don't have to fill the shoes. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fill the shoes. Right. You just have to make sure your foot can get into them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because your foot is going to grow into the it. There you go. <laughs> as time, as time goes by. I like that. Um, but but you need to know what it is you're getting into and what people's expectations are. Mm-hmm. Because they will compare you. Yeah, They definitely will compare you. And you have to so conduct yourself that when you are compared, even though they realize you're a different person, the values are the same. Yeah, there, there you go. The values are the same.
0: Was there any books you read or conferences you attended to guide you through what this process would look like to bring about succession?
1: Not necessarily. Um,
0: So it was more intuitive?
1: I have done, no, I have done, um, I have a number of degrees. Mm -hmm. I have three doctorates.
0: I know, you're not going for another one, are you?
1: Well, you know, if Because you get the itch. (laughs) The the one thing I regret that I didn't do Mm -hmm. is law. Oh, a law degree. I really regret that. But I think, I, I think the Lord knows that if I had done that, that law, um, it couldn't have taken me out of ministry, but it could have diluted my, my focus. Right. I like law. I really like law. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I taught at Eastern Seminary okay. for a number of years, and I taught in the Graduate School of Temple University. Mm-hmm. So I was exposed to a lot of material.
0: Okay, and these concepts. And concepts, yeah. so it
1: wasn't any one book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, was, it was this whole leadership, leadership concepts that I taught leadership. And so if, you, if, you're to, if you're teaching leadership and you're studying leadership, then these are all parts of the umbrella. You know, the umbrella has a lot of... Spokes.
0: spokes. And, yeah, these are um, all the
1: spokes yeah. of the umbrella. And then hopefully when you have to use a particular types of spokes, it's all fitted in that you can you can do
0: that so that's good so was give me some of the particulars like what was your plan of action when you started the succession process and then you could kind of take us to then what it looked like when you started to prepare the successor and then if you can like when you finally passed it on do you see it like and those different levels where you were able to I start think, it prepare and then finally pass um, it on
1: Levels, yes, but is more of a, um, a process of building a relationship,
0: mm-hmm.
1: more of a relationship. Because up to now, the present past would say to me, you know, I didn't expect to be the successor. He says, I, he says, I never saw myself in the second chariot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he identified other persons that he thought would have been my successors. So, mm. and, um, and they brought a lot to the table. Mm-hmm. And in terms of of, of skills, um, some of them had um, tremendous preaching skills. You know, and he, this young man that we have right now, um, never emerged as a preacher as such, mm-hmm. but he had some other skills that I felt uh, my wife and I felt were were helpful, needed, and um, some things you can you can you can capture while you're on the job, mm. but you have to bring something to the job. Yeah. And so that's what we were looking at. Who can who can um, who can work well in, in managing, um, in working well with staff? Staff, mm-hmm. who has who has worked well with staff in in their in the, in day to day business business work, who's done that.
0: So it sounds like in the start of the process you started figuring out here or these things that we are going to start identifying and looking for, even before successor. Yeah. You so have, you started with sort started, of like this grid.
1: I said what the table needed. Yep. No, not That will come to the table. What what does the table need? Yep. Figuring out what what the table needs, and then who are the persons who might best fit the table.
0: And so, and then now you have him, and how do you? Was it just relationally on how you were preparing him? Related. So. The, or were there some specific things that you intentionally did once you identified who it was um, that you, yeah?
1: Continue to build the relationship and then um, bring it to, bring my thinking, um, my life and my thinking to the attention of our board so that they can also be looking, checking, mm-hmm. evaluating, and becoming more and more comfortable yep. uh, with the person. Uh, In the light of what we felt the table needed, needed. Yeah, Um, that's that's that was it.
0: That's good. And then you get to the place where you finally passed it on. Right. And at what did that? What did the final lap of the race look like? Was it you know, uh, paperwork was understanding? Were there business meetings that were being conducted? A number of
1: business meetings. But in our church, the way we are structured, the business, the meetings are held by the Board of Elders. Mm -hmm. When the Board of Elders has come to a decision, then we try to bring that to the congregation. And at the same time, we bring it in such a way that we are, because of my teaching experience, I bring it in such a way that I also try to get the feeling of members about specific things. So not just saying this is a decision as such, but what do you think? For instance, um, in a few weeks, I'm doing a, I've been asked to come to Maryland to do a workshop on barrier-breaking leadership. And my first question is to the group, how do you define barrier-breaking? Because I want to start with their perception of it mm-hmm. before I begin to give them my perception of it. Mm-hmm. If I just start saying, okay, I'm going to give you a presentation on your breaking leadership, and I have absolutely no concept of what their understanding is, then I'm wasting a lot of time.
0: So you do this for your congregants. You I kind do. of the set them I up do. and say, sure. okay, what's your concept of this sure. thing to see if we're. I did a
1: together. funeral last week,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I was talking about. The Wisdom. And so I asked the con- the funeral. I said, what's your definition of wisdom? What's your definition of wisdom? I said wisdom, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing in all of your getting, get it. Okay? I didn't start with the definition. I, I, I have them a- answer the question, what's the definition of wisdom? And then I I can add it to what they're saying and I can move them in the direction of what the scripture is saying and why they need to get it and why it is the principal thing, the yeah. most important thing, and what, what happens when we aren't focusing on wisdom, and when we aren't making decisions based on wisdom. Hmm. You know? yeah. So it's my own teaching experience um, and how I, how I taught. One of the things I did and I taught in seminary and at Temple mm-hmm. University, I would, I would, um, I would give my, the subject of the lesson, I always did this at the beginning of the course. This is what we're working on. This is the book we're working on. I would like you to grade me.
0: That's interesting.
1: I would like you to give me an honest grade. How many of you are willing at the end of this course to give me an honest grade? And how many of you are comfortable with my giving you an honest grade?
0: Was it less hands?
1: <laughs> <laughs> there were less hands. <laughs> but at least a relationship yep. was established. Mm-hmm. And therefore, folks were were more interested in paying attention, mm-hmm. see, because they're gonna grade me, but I'm gonna grade them. Yeah. So, so that's, that's how, it, how, how it's worked, the, the, the relationship.
0: I like that. Now, you have so much to give. So, even though you've passed on the baton, and uh, what does your life look like now, Outside the normal church routines that leads yeah. that you would normally have,
1: I um, I have a lot of engagements. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have a lot of engagements. I have some engagements, but I still feel that the church right now needs that second phase, that second document on what is the official legal and constitutional role of the founders. That's mm-hmm. still a piece, and it has to be clarified so that you're working within your lane.
0: Mm-hmm. You,
1: know, you don't just want to be a wallflower. Right. Um, but, but everyone, that the board, that the pastor, the congregation, everyone knows what is your lane as founders, and so you can feel comfortable in that lane. At the same time, being an ancient landmark to help guide the ministry. Right. The, the ministry, because the ministry is bigger than the congregation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New Covenant. as a ministry is bigger than the congregation. We have a whole campus, we have all these buildings, all these facilities, all these people who live on the campus, see? so it's not just the, the congregation itself, and all the others um, require um, leadership and management.
0: Would you say that there is a temptation that you have to get involved here and there because it's so easy to begin to lead and do those things and you have to resist that temptation? Yeah, you have
1: to resist the temptation mm-hmm. and you have to watch and see how how this would work. The temptation is there until such time as the document is prepared. Yeah. Then the document is prepared and it's clear to everybody. It's clear to the board, it's clear to the past, it's clear to the congregation, what the role of the founders, what the yeah. role is. Yeah, because uh, again, in the absence of that document, then people are not sure.
0: Right, you do have so much to still give, yeah. um, even though you've passed on the normal thing. So that's I was curious about that, but that's really going to help for you to kind of know your lane and, and know what you, to expect. You have to know your that stuff. You have to know your lane. Yeah. So what is what is your what are you most excited about? in this next chapter of your life?
1: In this next chapter of my life, I'm very excited. As a matter of fact, I have a book coming out I thought it was going to, be, going to come out at the end of next month. The publisher says it's the end of June. Okay. It's called From Bitter Water to Fine Wine mm. How to Turn Your setbacks, setbacks into Setups. Oh, that's great. You know? um, and I think I'm going to spend a lot of time promoting the book and sharing part of my journey. Okay. the leaders, the pastors, because they may see New Covenant and think, wow, that is so nice. But then what price has been paid yes. to get there? Yes, what that's going to be of great value. What price? Yep. what price has been paid to get there? And um, I remember, is this going to anyone apart from leaders? This, uh, probably,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think people understand the price you pay when not necessarily not necessarily the price you pay for success but the price you pay when you succeed I think there are many people even believers hope you fail
0: mm. really mm-hmm.
1: and when you don't fail um, there's anger mm. there is anger and we have experienced so much anger and we have experienced so much bitterness even from staff persons that we've had to transition, transition on transition mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 part of the price you pay mm. for leading for right. leading it's part of the price you pay and you have to be comfortable with it mm-hmm. you can't react to it yeah no? um i should have asked a different question if it's if this is going to unsafe people
0: Oh, um, not really. Not really. Mm-hmm.
1: I remember um, one day coming out of our home, our front door, there's a live snake. And immediately we knew who had done it. Wow. Then the next week, there's another live snake.
0: Just there in the doorstep?
1: Just in the doorstep. Wow. Mm-hmm. The third week, there's a rooster with his head cut off
0: okay now this is witchcraft type stuff (laughs) we knew knew.
1: Mm. last week and that's a long time ago Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. last week I was at a conference and um, this person who had been part of our staff was there and I said why don't you come right over and sit at our table so you sat there and we talked I did not remember a thing about those incidents and yet I know for sure he's the one who did it. Hmm. (laughs) I know for sure he's the one who did it. Wow. But I didn't remember a single thing. I was at a conference a number of years ago, an international conference, people from different countries. And the person with whom I went to college uh, was a chairman. When When I went to college there, I was a freshman, he was a junior. So he graduated two years after, before me. But he was the chairman, And um, but, but our journeys took different directions. Mm-hmm. He was pastor in a little church on an island in 1962, and he's still there today. Hmm. And the church is still the same size today. Hmm. I, on the other hand, graduated two years later, and we have not accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So in the conference I got up to speak and he said, he's a chairman, he says, Milton, shut up and sit down. Mm. I sat down. And everybody was stunned. Mm. They were stunned. They were stunned. But I knew, just jealousy. I knew that. But I was surprised that he expressed it so publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, Two months ago I was in St. Vincent. And he was there and so he and I were talking and laughing, and what have you, he and his wife. And when we had finished, the gentleman called me over. He says, do you remember what he did to you in that meeting? When he said, shut up and sit down. And I had not remembered it. Wow. <laughs> and he says, I'm watching you laughing and talking. And I'm saying to myself, but, but this is the person he, he humiliated Publicly. And I said to myself, you know, he said that about to me, but I didn't take it on because I knew the root of it. How do you feel? How do you feel from 1962 to, to now, pastoring a church of 70 people when a person who graduated from the same college was doing something completely different? Hmm. And when he posted up my resume, our radio programs being in 60 countries of the world. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? So I was not upset, I was just disappointed
0: But mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't upset. Mm. And I didn't feel the need to take it on, I didn't ask him why he did that, I just didn't. And so when I saw him later on a few weeks ago, a few months ago, he didn't even cross my mind. No. And yet this other person looking at it saying, but how could he be interacting with him so nicely? Has he forgotten? Well, I have forgotten, it's out of my mind. Wow! So you 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 pay a price for any type of perceived success, mm-hmm. and you have to be willing to pay that price without holding the people, because as long as you you get locked into this person did me that and this person did you that, you have to stay right there with them. Right. You can't it, move forward.
0: It, there, there's some of us who know that, but it takes so much time for us to get to that point from the offense or the disappointment sure. to the, I forgot, I moved on. Sure. But to hear you say that that you were able to experience a disappointment, move on as quick, but makes it, me it encourages me that, hey, I, I'm going to get there one day. But
1: if you know the reason so, for it, mm-hmm. you can let it go. It
0: speeds it up, uh, yeah.
1: No, don't... You have enemies right here in this ministry. Oh, yeah.
0: You mm-hmm. have enemies.
1: Mm-hmm. There are people who, who look at what you're doing and are very, very upset. You can't afford to take it on. No, nope. you just have to focus on what God is doing in your life mm-hmm. and give God the freedom to do more. Yeah, because if if you get locked into a very small vision, then you're insulting God.
0: Yeah, that's so good.
1: <laughs> and he says, "I'm able to do full measure, press down, shake it, get and running over. Give him a chance to do it."
0: Yeah. That's where our mind and heart should be. That's it. There.
1: Yeah.
0: This has been That's great. Good. I have one last question good, good. because there's, you know, we're in the city of Philadelphia yes. and, and you've been here for many years. So, what's that one special thing that you enjoy about the city of Philadelphia that maybe people who are not native to Philadelphia might not know about or those who are here will be like, I know that?
1: Well, when I think of Philadelphia, I think of the last line of the national anthem the land of the free. The home of the brave. That's the national anthem. The last uh-huh. line, "For the uh-huh. land of the free and the no. home of." The uh-huh. I think Philadelphia has given me freedom uh-huh. to dream. The problem is, in that same line, "The land of the free, the home of the brave." You cannot have freedom without bravery. Freedom requires bravery. It requires courage. And if you don't have courage, you can't have or enjoy freedom.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so Philadelphia has given me freedom. The Lord has given me the courage and the bravery to pursue within the context of that freedom what I feel he's willing to do. And I know that what I have done with him is even less than what he was willing to do with me. Hmm. And so when I think of Philadelphia, I think of... Um, not just a city of really love and sisterly affection but the opportunity to be in a society where you're free to dream free to allow the lord to lead you but develop the courage which is the capacity to pursue the difficult in spite of the cost Um, that's part of what Philadelphia means to me
0: that's tremendous Well, again, thank you, Bishop, for letting me pull on you a little bit and ask these questions. You've given us so much to to consider, to think about. Um, We're better for it. So thank Thank you you. for being uh, willing to do this. Okay,
1: appreciate it.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, and that's our time for this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Cool Christian Nerd podcast where you can get your digital discipleship fix. Till next time.